Week before last, I watched the movies Dunkirk, the dramatic story of the rescue of the British Army from the coast of France by a fleet of civilian sailors, and Darkest Hour, the story of Winston Churchill's ascendancy to the Prime Ministership of England during the Second World War, back to back. I confess that as a student of history, I am especially fascinated with that particular period of time. The whole gamut of human actions, ranging from the most vile and vicious to the most noble and sublime, enthrall me. In Dunkirk, there's one character who keeps literally popping up through all the scenes of destruction. It's this kid. This young guy who does everything in his power to get away, most uncourageously at times, from what is going on around him. He's finally saved, plucked from the sea just before he drowns through sheer good fortune. And the two movies run sort of parallel to one another. And it was one scene from The Darkest Hour which shows a character of extreme courage and sacrifice who stood out to me and forced me to do some additional digging. So just briefly, there was a small garrison totaling about 4,000 men of combined forces at Calais, just down the beach from Dunkirk, distance of about 37 miles. In order to give the 400,000 troops more time to be evacuated from Dunkirk, the commander at Calais was ordered to hold off the German panzer attack. Winston Churchill sent a telegram to the commander, Brigadier Claude Nicholson, stating the following, Every hour you continue to exist is of the greatest help to the British Expeditionary Force. Government has therefore decided that you must continue to fight. Have greatest possible admiration for your splendid stand. Evacuation will not, repeat not, take place. Just before the telegram is handed to him, we see Brigadier Nich Nicholson walking among his men, offering encouragement here and there, calling them by name. After he reads the telegram, he steps out into the open and turns his face to the dark sky. As the camera pans straight up and away from his face, his eyes close as if he is in prayer and a kind of resignation. I won't spoil any more of the movie for you, but it's worth watching. It was the actions of Nicholson that intrigued me, so I looked him up. He was described by one of his comrades as a true professional. He worked hard and was widely read. His ability was well known. By temperament, Nicholson was a perfectionist. Outwardly, he was the trained cavalry officer and a good horseman, which he had dreamed of being as a boy. He was sympathetic and courteous. He was also sensitive, modest, and very intelligent. There were some who thought him formal and orthodox, 
but to the rapidly changing situation at Calais, he reacted with great swiftness of mind. He must have been deeply troubled by the conflicting orders which he received, but he was not a man to lose his head. Nicholson was captured that day and spent the rest of his life in a German prison and died at the age of 44. Deeply troubled, but not a man to lose his head. In today's gospel, we see something of this in Jesus. He's just come from raising Lazarus from the dead. The faint odor of Mary's nard may still linger around him. Jesus turns in body and mind toward Jerusalem and the cross. It's one of the few times that we see and hear Jesus in a very personal and private way. You may remember this episode in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Father, with you all things are possible, remove this cup from me. Or, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But in John, Jesus says, Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. It's as if Jesus has already had his Gethsemane moment. He's not sweating great drops of blood or falling on his knees. He knows what must be done in order to glorify God the Father. He knows that he is the means by which God will establish the new covenant with God's people. From the least to the greatest, from the Greeks to the apostles. Jesus' humanity is on display here. His whole human nature must shrink at the thought of death. After all, he's only 33 years old, and no one wants to die on a cross. In his humanness, Jesus struggled and was troubled from time to time, but never for very long, because he lived his entire life for the glory of God. He lived so right up to his death. He didn't pray to be freed from death, to somehow sidestep the actual suffering. Jesus prayed that no matter what, the Father's name may be glorified. He faces the road to the cross with courage. William Barclay defines real courage is that which does not mean not being afraid. It means to be terribly afraid and yet to do the thing that ought to be done. So what does this mean for us? Jesus was not lifted up on the cross so that we could slide safely into heaven. We cannot be just the beneficiaries of Christ's passion. We must be the ongoing instruments of his sacred mission. We must learn to pray his same prayer and mean it.
dear friend of mine who is a two-time survivor of cancer has a card stuck on her bathroom mirror. Given to her by one of her sons, it has a pink ribbon and it reads, Courage is fear that has said its prayers. And if you ever have trouble getting started in your prayers, return to the end of today's psalm. Hide your face from my sins and block out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Give me the joy of your saving help again and sustain me with your bountiful spirit. As we here at St. Peter's enter yet another time of new and challenging transition, let us see whatever comes our way through with honor and love and compassion, courageously bearing ourselves in such a way that God may be glorified. Amen.